hello, 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 and welcome to We The People Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Conze, and we are here for episode 14, episode 14, Intentional Living Intentionality. Uh, I want to thank everyone for taking the time out of their existence to tap in uh, to some elevated vibes uh, as we explore a better understanding of ourselves through our relationships with uh, our romantic partners, our familial, friends and family relationships, and our relationships with institutions and concepts such as work, life, religion, uh, all of that. So, uh, you know, this is this is a uh, this is the place and space for that. And I thank you for stepping into it. Uh, just before we get started, a little housekeeping. Once again, myself, my name is Jay Kanze. I am a clinical research consultant with the academic background in clinical mental health counseling, uh, organizational communication, and executive staffing. Uh, so it, this is not about me. This is more so about us, we the people. So uh, at the end of every episode, I typically read a few questions uh, that I've received. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And I'm going to take it a step further uh, where I'm actually going to start doing uh, live Q&As as well as more Facebook lives. And you can reach the podcast, of course, on Instagram at Podcast We The People, as well as on Facebook uh, the Facebook group and page should be We The People Podcast. And uh, I myself am also on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Meditation J. Um, also, uh, email. Yes, lest I forget. Uh, you can email me directly at J, the number four, We The People at gmail.com. Okay, so let's let's uh let's tap into it. So it's a big word and it's used very commonly. Uh intention, intentionality. Um I had a good conversation with a friend of mine, a real close friend of mine, and they have a particular way of approaching uh any topic. They always start with the definition. Um and then they explore their thoughts. Uh, so just because intentionality and intentional living is something we hear all the time. And I feel like it's only part of the equation in the way that it's discussed in the world. Everyone says you have to be intentional. And I think it gets misconstrued as being shrewd. Meaning um, you have to have a plan. and You need to focus on that plan and lock in. And yes, these things are true. These things are essential to growth. Um Intention by definition is aim or plan or one's design. Um, intentionality, the ITY, itty, the suffix is just meaning state of being. So it's pretty much your state of being when you're doing things on purpose or by design or following a plan. Now, this is very important. This is the initial step. But too often, this is where it would, I would say, stop. Uh it's very, very important to be intentional. It's essential to be intentional, as I said already, uh, in order to achieve goals uh, and, you know, help. It's pretty much essential to the progression. 
Um, human beings, if there's one thing we need to do, we need to be moving. Even if we're falling backwards or forwards, it's part of progression. Um, it's part of growth. Uh, what I really like about um, the state of being when you're implementing your plan is something I always say, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it now. Um, it's very important to be intentional, but more importantly, be well-intentioned. So what we're kind of going to explore here is um, intentions and being well-intentioned and what it means for our relationships. Um, too often than not, we think that, well, you know, if this is my focus, it will, we think that our attention or in, intentions will jeopardize relationships or interactions that we may want to continue or think we value. However, uh, the reality is that these, that our intentions actually do a lot of the work for us. Um, you know, you can get what you want, that you, what you thought you wanted and still be unhappy. Um, the fundamental point of having intentions is not just for ourselves, in my opinion. Intentioned, intentions or being well-intentioned is having a plan that produces the greatest amount of good, not just for yourself, but the most for the most people around you. You're doing what you want to do, but it gives it a context where what you're doing or what you're pursuing doesn't serve, just serve yourself. Um, you know, I had a conversation with a colleague who was um, considering getting their doctorate again. Um, and we had that, con we had a more of a holistic approach to the conversation instead of just their career aspirations, what they wanted to do. And um, it was very, it was a very intentional person. And the content, the conversation was uh, intent driven. Uh, but what I would say to that is um, I tried to add a bit of a wrinkle, a bit of perspective, because, um, well, uh, in, sometimes our selfish intentions can still have unintended well attention, uh, you know, good intentions for others. Uh, I, I tell people, even if you're attempting to be selfish in your intentions, a lot of times the universe has a way of reestablishing balance. Meaning if you're just focusing and pursuing that goal, someone can see that and someone can be inspired to pursue their goal or you may have to. And that's why it's the importance of being well-intentioned because you're going to be whether you're just focused on yourself or not, you're going to be presented with opportunities to help or produce more good for more than yourself. And if you're siloed in just your intentions, it is very difficult to not see this. It's very difficult to miss out on the opportunity. And when you help someone else, it amplifies what you're doing and it creates opportunities that sometimes that you couldn't even be aware of. In the professional business space, I've come across too many people who have later partnered with someone that they helped or gave an opportunity or presented at least a pathway to an opportunity for previously. I know several attorneys who became partners with, um, you know, some attorneys that they interned with. So, you know, you might be helping out your future business partner. And that's not the purpose, because a lot of times when you when you're a seed planter, you don't no farmer 
is harvesting all of the crop for himself. So uh, I think that's a fundamental element to to your intentions um, it, for, for the world to thrive. I go back to uh, something that I read uh, earlier in the week. It was uh, a book called uh, The King Within. It's about uh, unlocking the, the male's, uh, the true nature in terms of like the male psyche. Um, there's a concept by Eric Erickson that's referred to as the generative man. Um, I guess this is one of the most help, healthy and well-developed uh, constructions of manhood or like I would I would in a way I would describe it as uh, manhood in its form of self-actualization. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, to fully tap into himself and his ability to cultivate those around him and to be a good steward over things. A man has to to fully maximize his masculine energy uh, the theory is that he also would have to recognize an element of his feminine energy. Well, that's what they call it. Um, I would say nurturing. Um, it's, it's essential to being a good leader as a man. Well, the generative man, um, as described by Eric Erickson, um, is a good man who is dedicated to the maintenance and ecological strength of the human race, um, which is basically just saying his people. So you, if you can look at that on micro and macro levels, um, you know, your family, your community. Um, fulfillment isn't the confirming recognition for this man. Um, his hope is that each child born into this world is wanted and cared for. He realizes that growth of the human race must be limited if the species is to be maintained. Uh, generative man is in the wider sense also committed not only to the physical preservation of the race, but to its wider ecological integrity. I mean, this implies curtailing the uncontrolled economic and technical expansion, which pollutes the environment and weakens the fabric of social existence. So as you can see, it's, it's an expansive view of what the world means around you. And I think very often, uh, you know, manhood is, ter in, in, is interpreted or being a king is interpreted as how do your subjects serve you? But any true king or leader is a servant of the people. Um, so uh, that that was a huge correlation for me there. Um, and I want to move into a space where we look at it in specific areas now that we've kind of discussed uh, general difference between uh, having intentions and being well-intentioned and, and their general impacts. So <clears throat> now let's look at friendships. I, I laughed a little bit because I think this is one of the spaces where it, this honestly in work, romance, and these familiar relationships, I think being intentional and well-intentioned can often be the grayest of areas and I think by nature we as people we inherently become complex we, we're inherently complex beings yet we tend to we fear complexity and we seek simple solutions um, 
just a complex problem can have a simple solution. So I think a lot of people have uh, a bit of a cognitive dissonance. Like it's complicated, so I, I feel like they feel like the answer will be complicated. Sometimes a complicated problem has a simple solution. Um, I've had numerous conversations throughout the years between uh, colleagues, clients, patients, uh, you name it. Uh, These friendships tend to present uh, just as much stress and consternation. And if for certain subgroups of people, if not more so than their romantic relationships or their work environments. you know, and the reason I mentioned the generative man because I feel like the principles of the generative man can be helpful um, if I elaborate on them in some of these situations um, to men or women. So I'll extend that, you know, the, the generative person. Um, because they are self-assured, they are not easily swayed by one's reaction to them. And they, they see people independent of themselves, yet they recognize issues that they may struggle with in others. So it's a place where you allow, where it, the, self, the level of self-assuredness required enhances creativities in others. So, you know, a lot of time in the Western world, what we think leadership is, or what it's historically been since, let's say, the Industrial Revolution, uh, has been the leader being the loudest voice or being the voice that directs action. Um, I'm a firm believer that a true leader is the listener that acts. They consolidate all the feedback they receive from those who follow them. And in turn for following them, he serves them. So it's it's very much a partnership. I mean, it... (laughs) Uh, it, it, they, they give, they provide the leader with his authority and he extends to them to hear what they want and he makes a decision on the best way to get them there. That's the greater good principle. And I think friendships function a lot like this. So much feedback I hear would be, uh, you know, my friend is saying this or why did they say that? And there's so much confusion and consternation and I'm a firm believer that we focus far too much on the feeling of a problem than the actual problem. Um, When people are speaking about problems and they say, I want you to listen, or I just needed to say that, a lot of times, you know, we can mistake venting and thinking we're expressing ourselves or we're working through the issue. No, we're just communicating a frustration. If we were to give the same energy to... Just thinking, not saying coming up with or I have to figure it out, but just spend so much time thinking about solutions or possible resolutions uh, because every problem doesn't have a solution, but every single problem that's existed on this earth does have a resolution. Some we have seen, some are yet to come, but nothing exists ad infinitum. Um, everything comes to an end. Um, that's, that's the nature of existence. Uh, for sentient beings, there is always a beginning and an end. Um, it, and the reason for that, my my theory, my theory, my theory around the reason for that, is that uh, this this construct of time, it keeps us conscious and it keeps us. Uh, 
it gives us a sense of urgency to act. It get, and it also gives us a sense of agency. Um, because people inherently, um, they don't react to consequences or it's not necessarily about feeling bad about um, something they've said. Um, they're generally responding to the perception of how others feel about their actions. Um, that's the that's the root of what we see guilt. And I, I went in a roundabout way here for a moment here uh, just to jump back into the friendships because these are themes that play out in friendships a lot. Uh, most of the time when we're communicating with someone and they're talking to us, even if they're talking to us about what we think about our a problem that we have or themselves, most of the time people are speaking through their experiences and they're talking about themselves and it, it's true in whether it's love the love or the hate that's why when people say oh they're talking about me or i'm worried about someone talking about me i generally have the same responses that they're not really talking about you that's that's what you're experiencing what they're doing is trying to distract themselves from elements of their lives that they don't that are not that are less than enjoyable it's it's really not about us. People are people are generally trying to deal with themselves or trying to heal. So uh, that's an element of internalizing a lot of frustration and I would say pain in regards to some of these things. Uh, it's a way to look at things. Uh, but in terms of our friends, I think being intentional, like. I think that's something that we don't necessarily always articulate into our friendships. I think that's the missing element to a lot of friendships. Um, and it's been particularly some of the friendship the friendships. And I think it's a shift. It's changing. Uh, and again, I'm speaking from the outside. So this is very much a third party perspective. But I feel like in the relationships between uh, women, particularly millennial women, because those are that's where I have the most data and feedback on uh well I would say I'll be fair enough to say from gen generation x to millennials um I, I don't have a, a full handle on generation z yet uh but and I think that's where most of the change is occurring um to the later end of the millennial spectrum but I think that a lot of friendships between women are very well intentioned but they lack intentionality. Uh, well, being well-intentioned, and it sounds like I'm saying something that's oxymoronic or circular. Uh, intentionality is your purpose and your plan. Uh, being well-intentioned is the goodness of the plan. So there could be no plan. We just click, we vibe. So you're interacting and... It's very hard. You cannot have well, you cannot have good intentions without being intentional. So that's why it ultimately doesn't work. So they will continue to try to coalesce, be around each other and support each other. But there isn't a direction like you have to. I'm going to like you. It requires one part is listening. And then there's the assessment part. I think that sometimes you can feel so many ways about something someone says be in. They can be negative feelings, but when you take a step back and you assess what they're saying, you can derive things that can be useful to you. 
Um, so it's not just I like her and we're maintaining this to maintain. This ties back to maintenance friendships. That's why at the core of everything are our intentions and how and, and how well intended they're placed. So it's, you have to be intentional and then you have to be well intended. Um, I pay significance on being well intentioned because even if you don't have all the ducks in the row, if you're genuinely moving from the right pace place or you want good for this person, um, you know, limitations to what you're dealing with may interact with that. But ultimately, you'll serve some type of purpose. And um, that's the thing about leadership and power. All those things, they're there to serve a purpose. Um, the people you, we see, the, uh, not to look at anyone else, but experientially, those who have the most inner conflict and turmoil, it's because either by their own lack of, by, by their own inability to do so, or if there are systemic forces in place or just circumstance, it's usually an issue with them being to uh, interact with their purpose in a healthy, holistic way. Um, and I know I'm jumping into many different directions and tying in themes, but this is kind of what's at the center and the core of law of attraction. This is the why. Um, that's all we're wrestling when we talk about being intentional. Being intentional is why, and being well intentioned is what is who is your why helping, or what is your why for? If it's just for you, there's going to be so many areas and and situations of stress and difficulty where you get to, and. I hate to say it, you are the most important thing, but doing things just for you sometimes isn't going to give you enough to get it done. Um, you know, we see it all the time in society, you know, parents, you know, like they, they, a lot of parents fight harder for their children than they would themselves. Um, there's a different motivation when it's externalized. It has to start internally, but um, I can say for myself, you know, there were certain ways that I would take certain risks for my family that I would probably never take for myself as an individual because this is benefiting, uh, you know, X number of people as, a as opposed to benefiting one person. It changes the cost-benefit, uh, you know, calculation in that risk assessment uh, portfolio of that particular situation or experience. Uh, it's a huge factor. So um, with our friendships, it's very important to establish what we intend to do in someone's life. Not outside of just, you know, ourselves, not based on ourselves, our ego and our perception, but honest assessment. That's why you have to completely separate your experiences. Look at this person independently from the generative person perspective and hear and see them as an individual where while also being able to recognize things or problems that you experience but not placing your whole perspective on them but letting seeing them for who they are and understanding them and helping give them a voice supporting their creativity when you do these things uh, once you start looking at these things and exploring these concepts with the person you interact with, friend or romantically for that matter, 
you then have a much, much easier time establishing, you know, uh, I'll go with the Ikigai principle, which is basically what you're good at, what the world needs from you, uh, what you can get paid for, and what you love. Where all of those intersect, that's where you find your reason for being. If you look at that on a much smaller scale in an individual friendship, you know, you'll look at if you love this person, uh, what what you can what you can do for them, uh, where you can mutually help each other, how you can add value, how you can help them add value or help them or if you can help them in a professional capacity, because sometimes it's not always being an expert or knowing something about a field or helping a friend get another job. A lot of the time. This can be as simple as helping someone with an emotional issue or it could be helping your friend or supporting your friend through trust issues and that removing or having someone care in that way or be supportive can sometimes remove other blocks because these things manifest in other areas. It's like you may not be a cardiologist, but if you reduce stress in someone's life, that could help lower their blood pressure. So you can serve your purpose. It, it, this is not completely neat. So you can serve your purpose in someone else's life or help them with an area of opportunity, uh, whether it's personal or relationship, that can improve their professional prospects simply because they're less guarded or they're able to be more transparent or they're able to listen more. Uh, and listening can turn into money. The same way someone can talk for money, someone can listen for money. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it, it's not economic, but um, there's a financial calculus to it as well. Um, it, moving into romantic relationships, and I'm gonna be a little, there's going to be a little bit more brevity in terms of discussing this from a romantic perspective in the reason that mo I'm generally a firm believer in, and people say, oh no, but that's just a friend. When there's a difference, there's a conflict on either side. I've seen people in relationships say, why don't you treat me like your friends? Or when people complain, oh, you always do this with your uh, guy friends, girlfriends, homeboys, homegirls. These comes from, this comes from the perspective where we create that duality. Uh, romantic relationships, just as friendships, are enshrouded in trust, loyalty, transparency, a willingness to extend beyond one's needs, one's own needs, uh, a, a willingness to pour into someone else. Um, though now, when the, this is, these are all healthy settings of romantic and French uh, and, and familiar relationships. These. In a, in a, if this can be done healthily, in a healthy way, in a holistic way, and it uh, exists on both sides, this would be an ideal uh, romantic relationship or familial relationship. Uh, so there's very little difference in the romantic setting um, in terms of how it should be handled, but there's a significant difference in terms of what we feel. Um, the primary difference between a friendship and a romantic relationship 
is the level in which we internalize our negative qualities. Because you can have an argument with your friend and feel like she was upset. Uh, in relationships, it's always rooted. Uh, I feel like the big difference is our problems in relationships usually tie back to experiences we had before we ever met that other person. Whereas our friendships are more based on how we feel like someone's responding to us. It, our, our romantic relationships, not, not in a, this is not an absolute, but more often than not, these are deeper and these are more predicated on how we respond. Um, so that's the kind of the fine line there. So it's difficult, uh, but it, it, in the, in the romantic relationship, almost all of the work is on you as the individual because when someone bothers you or someone upsets you, it's not taking away accountability for what they said. And, you know, I've been guilty of this. It's actually partly, it, it, it's always, and that's why I say it's two to tingle when someone says, you need to fix this in a relationship. Fixing will require both of us. I may have to come the greater distance to where you are but because we're flawed and we're human and we make mistakes, you would require to try. It would require some travel on your part, even if it's just in terms of your perspective. Uh, so the intention in a romantic relationship would be the same as in a friendship. Um, I think you would emphasize the union more, but it would very much be so the same. Now, being well-intentioned means, and I spoke to someone about this earlier this week, you have to love them more than you want them. This is a huge ask, but, um, you know, I've, I've seen it present itself more so in the, in the, in the paternal relationship, uh, than in the romantic relationship, but you literally, and I've, I've seen and experienced this where, you know, when you tell someone you love them, they'll think you want something from them. You want reciprocation or you want a relationship, but, you know, in, in, our lives, even in my life, um, to be transparent, there have been situations where I, when I, if I've articulated love, it's simply that, you know, I care for you on a deeply, deeper, deep, deep, or deeper or deep level. And it doesn't require any action on your part. It's not demanding relationship. It's simply stay, it's, it's offering it's offering to support them in a certain way, or it's, it's letting them know that my participation is for your well-being and it, it, because your well-being is tied to theirs. If they're doing, I, I know I'm going to do well. So if I can ensure that you're doing well, it produces more happiness. Um, you know, of course, there's going to come a point where, you know, should things progress or become in some type of relationship, uh, it being reciprocal shouldn't be, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, it's more so re requiring that to be reciprocated is more so seeking confirmation. It's really depending on what a person needs. There are some few, not many, but there are some people who don't require and, and I think things do get reciprocated, just not in the same way. That's when we get into love languages. But there are some people who don't require uh, 
for the you to for them for you to reciprocate what they're pouring into you. They require you to pour something back. I've seen numerous relationships where, um, and depending on who you ask, what gender or sex, they'll say, oh, you know, it's better if the man loves you a little bit more, the woman loves you a little bit more, or whatever, however you choose to categorize. Um, it, it's been my experience where, I mean, those function just because it just depends on how some people articulate love and what some people require. So, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to, you have to give back. You don't always have to, in every relationship, you may not have to give what you got, but you have to be willing to give back. So that's the nuance to things being reciprocal. Um, in the workplace, and I think um, in part two of intentionality, because yeah, I'm dropping a bomb. This is going to be two parts. In part two of intentionality, we're really going to dive much, much deeper into the professional space because that ties into friendship as well because you're around people all day in your work life you develop some type of relationships. So I'm going to set that aside strictly for episode two. Um, and it's going to be fun, but it's going to be, I'm going to go really deep just because I know given the current climate in the pandemic world, uh, there are significant unemployment challenges that a lot of people are facing. Um, so I want to do something that while it serves uh, an emotional purpose and enlightens perspective there you know provides some tools where people can experience um, some physical relief uh, you know in, in in the in the economic form so uh, I'm separating intentionality um, and the professional you into another episode uh, that'll be next week I'm really looking forward to that as well but I want to transition into a few questions. Um, so uh, I'll go with the first question here. Uh, first question that I have is. Do you think it's important to be honest with uh, your friends and lovers about your professional life? Dang, that's 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 a good guess. That's one of the that's one of the the more nuanced questions. Really good question. One of the more nuanced questions I've received in a long time. Uh, I, I I definitely think that I don't know people's views initially. That's more of a comfort in terms of disclosure and transparency. And I think that for some people, they can just come in transparent. This is who I am. That's more about where they are with themselves. Some people have to grow in comfort. They require certain levels of security before they can be that revealing. And uh, we tend to pass judgment. Like, you're not open. I think, I think it's about how much care people need. And I think we should be less judgmental uh, with the individuals who aren't willing to be as forthcoming because it also speaks to how much care and how much empathy they may not have received. And, uh, Sometimes, well, a lot of the time, not getting something, it, it doesn't repair, receiving it doesn't repair the backlog of damage done when you weren't getting it. You know, it's not just like, okay, you know, you know, someone like your, your blood sugar went through the roof or dropped and it caused organ damage. 
if you get insulin immediately, if your organs were damaged, it doesn't necessarily, it may stop future damage from occurring, but it doesn't repair that previous damage. That's something different. So, um, you know, it, it, it's going to require uh, longer, longer term treatment. So we need to have that longer view expectation. That's why it's really important going back to friendships and romantic relationships to understand people or to take the time to step back and look at them separate from ourselves. Um, the importance of being the being able to be the generative person, and it's not something done overnight. It's something that you have to continually challenge yourself at. So to not go around the world and not answer the question, what I will say is, uh, it's important to make sure people understand where you're coming from, and. I would definitely say, I'm not going to encourage you to not be truthful. I think you should actually be truthful. You need to state, it's much better to tell someone you're not prepared to have a conversation than to have a dishonest conversation with them about that topic. Um, uh, you know, I've advised clients to do it myself and say, you know, I'll say, I, I may need to sit a moment with that or I have to fully formulate how I want to approach this. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather someone feel like, hey, that's weird. I don't get it. Or okay. And then you can have that conversation as opposed to telling them something that makes them question your integrity. And at that point, some people don't even care to have the conversation because they may feel like you're full of shit. Um, you know, so that's just, uh, that's just the reality and the nature of things. Um, jumping into question number two, uh, what do you feel like is the biggest lesson you've learned professionally? Yeah, this is an old question, but I didn't get to it. Um, I would say two things. Never, never, never base your value on external factors. You know, don't ever, don't ever go with the number they give you for yourself. Um, because uh, the system we live in is designed to undervalue people. So I may start at my most ridiculous number. You know, so I'll put it like this. <laughs> Make it in the professional space, uh, you know, work with humility, but from an economic perspective, make it their job to humble you. You don't humble yourself. Um, secondly, never give unsolicited advice. Um, I, I've learned to take long pauses in between responses. And what I realized, it reduced stress and it decreased the amount of unessential information that I would respond to significantly. And that gave me so much time and clarity to increase my productivity to, to work more for myself. Um, because people are, some people, you know, and granted, a lot of people are unhappy with their employment. They're usually unhappy with emotional things where the, a lot of people say when people have problems financially or they, they're not paying me enough, it's because they're not paying me enough based on how they're treating me. So they really have a problem with how they feel about work and how they're treated. That's where it's rooted in. So if we, you know, I do as much as I can myself to remove as much of that as I can and then I deal with aggressively 
um, through every possible means, whether it's being litigious, the remain the remaining BS that the system is dumped on me, or when I say system, I mean whatever uh, institutional structure that you are in some type of relationship with. Um, yeah, I don't like to say you work for your job. I feel like it's very much a partnership. I feel like it's really a perspective. You should always be working for yourself. Um, and the same way your job seeks to get a strategic advantage where they give you extra assignments or we want you to work on this is the same way you constantly have to be seeking advantage and leverage. It's a, it's a partnership. Um, it's a partnership. It's an uneasy partnership, but it's a partnership nonetheless. Uh, last question. And all these questions is to kind of give you why I picked the questions that kind of relate to a little bit of the professional space because um, that's because I have a I have a database of questions that people ask me and I just get to them little by little. I respond to some on the Internet, some in DM, some in email. But uh, I'm just going with questions that might be relevant, relevant to the coming topic, which is uh, intentionality and intentional living in your in our professional space. Um, and that will still tie to our friendships and our relationships. Um, in terms of how we're talking about work, the feedback, we're getting all of that. Um, last question. Do you think you've had too many career changes for the better or for the worse? Uh, I, and this is very individualistic. For me, I always feel like growth is better. And the more tools you put in your toolbox... There, having more tools will never make you less skilled. It doesn't always make you more skilled, but it never makes you less skilled. So I don't view it that way at all. And I feel like everything happens the way it ha everything happens the way it had to happen, and it could happen no other way. Otherwise, it would. Um, this is not moving accountability from people's choices. What I mean is that even the things that shouldn't have happened there can be a reason and purpose to them. Doesn't mean that they should have happened. It just means that there can be reason, there can be meaning to it. All things have meaning. Therefore, if it has meaning, it cannot be waste. It can be painful, it can be humiliating, it can be discouraging, but it doesn't mean it was wasted. I'd rather learn something from a bad experience than have no experiences. But that was the uh, third question. I'm really excited about part two, intentionality in the professional space. I'm really, uh, I think that episode is probably going to be no less than an hour, but I'm really, really uh, going to bring some, some uh, relevant information, uh, some strategic perspectives, a broad overview, kind of want to reshape how we look at our professional space to give us a sense of control and autonomy because that changes what we say in these interviews and that changes what we get. Um, and eventually, <laughs> you won't be on any interviews. I mean, every single person is an entrepreneur. Uh, and, you know, because your life is your biggest, your life is your biggest business and your greatest asset. Um, I really want to thank everyone for taking the time once again to participate in this. Please, please, please reach out. 
um, subscribe, share, uh, you know, look forward to this Facebook Live and this live Q&A. Uh, look forward to just uh, more meditation. Oh, yes, meditation episode is coming up, is, is, is on deck as well. Uh, considering how much, you know, I meditate and how it silos around so much of what we talk about, we're going to have that meditation episode. We're going to give some apps, a whole bunch of information to add value. So um, we're going to present this um, where it's worth taking notes and leaves you with some things that you can actually implement, actionable items. Because you can, you can read, you can look at so many memes and quotes and feel good and feel inspired. But until you have something to read or study, uh, you're not ascertaining knowledge. So um, um, I'm going to give you the game that I had to <laughs> fight tooth and nail to acquire. Uh, so I really look forward to really helping people be in better positions over the next uh, 30, 60, 90, 120, uh, 360 days. You know, so I'm excited about that. Uh, like I said, I'm going to start closing out with a quote. I've used it already, but I feel like it's so relevant it is very important to be intentional, but more importantly, be well-intentioned. All right, everyone stay up, stay elevated, and we'll meet, we'll come together and do this again. Thank you. Peace.